Hi, I'm Craig. And I'm Linda. And this is the Indie Travel Podcast at IndieTravelPodcast.com. This is episode 67, Cash Budgeting. We're sorry, but it's been some time since we've got an audio podcast out. Unfortunately, we've had some serious tech problems. Indeed. But we are in Hastings in cloudy, rainy summer England, and we've been doing all sorts of things. The Old Town Carnival's been on this week. Uh, We're just heading off to a beer festival. Today we visited the Car Taylor Winery, and tomorrow we're hoping to go to Dover. Yeah, the winery was really cool. It was about a two-hour walk from here, and we got to taste all sorts of cool things, and we bought mead. Yeah, mead's fantastic, huh? Oh man, I love mead. Oh well, if you've been catching up with our video podcasts, then you'll know that we had a Lonely Planet competition running over the last week and a bit. So thanks to all of our entrants, we received lots of emails, blog posts, and new people joining the mailing list, and I think we ended up with just under 200 entries. The winner was... Ben Stevens. So Ben will be um, getting in touch with you for your contact details, and you can choose a book out of the Lonely Planet store. If you didn't win, but you'd still like a Lonely Planet book for yourself or as a gift, then we have some good news. We can give you 30% off anything in the Lonely Planet online store when you buy through the link on the Indie Travel Podcast, which is IndieTravelPodcast.com. It's only good until the 20th of August, so you'd better go there quickly. Yeah, we also got an email from Conrad who wrote, My name's Conrad. That's a good start. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I've had my mind set on traveling and backpacking for a long time now. I've been wondering, how do you pay for the travel and accommodation costs? Do you find a job, work for a few months to earn some money before moving on? What kind of job do you usually do? How do you earn money to keep going for an extended period of time? Very good questions. Indeed, and we've talked a little about this on the show before, but here's our quick response. Six months before you go, start cutting down on subscriptions and start selling stuff off. Try to own very little by the time you leave. Second one, do your best to become debt-free, cancel all of your regular payments... And um, make sure you don't have any money ghosts at home waiting to, uh, to chase you around the world. Although things will chase you. I mean, we did our very best to get rid of everything that we, that we owed or any debts or anything. And we still got something from the tax department a year and a half after we left. <laughs> yep, indeed. Number three, save a little emergency fund. So once you've paid off all your debts, start to save. Have enough to tide you over in a down patch or allow you to splash out when you want. Enough to buy a ticket out of wherever you are. <laughs> We settled on about New Zealand $4,000 each, and we've barely touched it. We needed a little bit where we first started travelling, because we were in Malta and we weren't getting paid for ages. But um, since then, we've, we've barely touched it. We fund our travels mainly by working, surprisingly. Um, I'd love someone just to sponsor me to travel around the world, so if you are that person, yeah. get in touch. Mail yeah. at IndieTravelPodcast.com. If anyone wants to be our patron, would be so stoked. Yeah. We've got um, ESOL, English Teaching Qualifications, and so it's quite easy to find work in most countries. Um, It's easier and it pays better than bar work or call centre work or sales, and it's usually quite flexible. You can get short-term contracts that work for you. We've had some wonderful jobs. One thing to realise is just avoid the one-year contracts if you can. I mean, they can be great and there can be some really good deals out there, but it does really limit your flexibility. Um, We also do some travel writing, of course. We have the Indie Travel Podcast. And we're not doing this in a very smart way, so we're not making much money off it, though we'd like to. Um, We're not really making more than about 200 US a month doing freelance writing and and websites. 
That said, we're trying to make more of our income on that way. So, <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> hopefully, really yeah. Nudge, nudge, donation. <laughs> <laughs> Last of all, we use a cash budget system to monitor our spending, uh, both when we're saving before we left and now that we're on the road. And in this episode, we want to talk about that. We want to talk about our cash budgeting system. Uh, Linda and I got married while we are still students, so irresponsible and so very, very poor. Very poor. So one of the most useful books we read was called For Richer, Not Poorer, uh, which Linda found for 75% off in a bargain table in Wickles. So, um, yes, good beginning. Yeah. But despite its humble origins, it contained the information that has really kept us going, stuff on how to budget. Yeah, we knew we wanted to travel, but we also knew we didn't want to travel with debts holding us back. But being students, we had plenty of debts. <laughs> Craig had a student loan, uh, we both had overdrafts, and we just paid for a wedding. So we, we obviously couldn't increase our income much. We were still find, trying to find work, let alone well-paid work. And, um, but we could work out how to use the income we, that we actually had, which is where this book came in. It taught us the benefits of a cash budgeting system. Sounds like a simple idea, and it really is. And we share it with anyone who listen to us go on about it because it's, it's helped us save and it helps us travel. So we thought we'd share it with you. The basic idea is, unsurprisingly, pay for everything in cash. This helps you save and stops you overspending because you're able to see exactly how much money you've got left uh, for any given time period. And today we're going to share with you how to use this cash budgeting system in order to save money in order to travel and how to use it on the road. So before you go... You've decided to go travelling, and it's a good idea to start saving so that you can finance it. Maybe you're going to be working when you're on the road, but it's never a good idea to, to have debts or to start off on the back foot. So a lot of people kind of founder here. They don't want to make changes to their existing lifestyle to fund the future one. But actually, you don't have to make too many changes to your lifestyle. Yeah. I mean, the first thing to do is work out how much money you've got coming in from your wages or from your salary, and then look at what's going out. And the idea is to make that a bigger and bigger figure, you know, the difference that is, not what's going out. It's useful to make categories when you're trying to work out how you spend, but if you make too many and become too meticulous, you just go slightly crazy. And, yeah, and uh, don't, don't make it too in detail because you'll get bored. I mean, you, it can be really useful to look at absolutely everything you spend, but we're not going to go into this. We'll make it a bit simpler. Yeah, I think that's the best way, and my personality type kind of lends itself to that as well. So I think accommodation, groceries, transport costs, medical costs, and other costs. That's yeah. that's it, five. It doesn't need to get much more detailed. Yeah, so work out how much you spend in each section per month and write it down. Just estimate if you're not sure, especially for the medical section, because you know you might be spending something in one month and nothing in another. Work out approximately how much you spend over a year on each category and divide by 12. Yeah, you can't normally change your accommodation or your transport costs, but maybe this is a good time to reappraise where you're living and if it's actually suiting you. Yeah, um, before we left, we actually downsized. We went from a three-bedroom house just to a flat, and that saved us a lot of money. Yeah, it did, and it gave us a chance to sell off furniture and things like that that um, took the pressure off when we were leaving. Mm. So you can't normally change accommodation or transport costs, like I was saying, and you usually just have to pay your medical costs as they come up. So you take these amounts away from your income, and what you have left is your flexible income. This is the money you can play with. This yeah. is where you've got some space to move. 
And out of this, you'll need to find money for groceries and for all of the incidentals that you have to have. Um, haircuts, clothes, movies, all that kind of thing. So the trick is to decide how much you want to spend each week or each month and stick to it. Sticking to it's the hard part, which is why paying by cash is so important. If you're in the supermarket with £5 and your bill comes to 5 50 you have to put something back. But if you're paying by card, even if you've decided you're only going to spend £5, you're likely just to pay the 5 50 and promise yourself to spend less next time. But you never do. Or at least I never do. Yeah, I never do. I normally like have £5 left and the bills come to 23 I'm like, I think I'll just pay by the card. And then yeah. Linda screams at me. Yes, because cash budgeting is very important. <laughs> so you need a couple of cash categories, I think. Uh, we normally use groceries, which is for food. Groceries, yeah. <laughs> Miscellaneous, which is anything that comes up. And discretionary, which is no questions asked, personal pocket money. So that's for, you know, getting coffees and buying chocolate or any other treats that you want. Yeah, that was that was for two people. So if you're single, you really only need two categories. Groceries and miscellaneous will pretty much do you. Yeah. I groceries and other. Yeah, groceries and other. So by looking at how much is in this flexible income and deciding how much you want to spend on groceries and other extras, then you're able to see how much money you've got left to save. Make sure you set reasonable amounts. You might need to adjust the amount you've set if you over or underestimate how much you need. Yeah, if you find yourself in a lot of pain going, you know, if you run out of money every Tuesday and you don't get your discretionary money again until Friday, then you're a lot like me. Congratulations. <laughs> but you don't want to cripple yourself, you know? You don't want to be sitting at home while all your friends are out. Sometimes you have to pay that kind of price for saving, but you shouldn't have to do it week after week after week. Yeah. Also, when we first started cash budgeting we set a budget of 50 50 per week for groceries and craig was on grocery shopping duty that week so we went off to the shop and he had his list and he came back with one bag two bags i had two bags okay he had two bags but they were very limp very limp bags i said oh you've been to the supermarket he said yes i said um well, where's the rest of it he goes oh no this is it he had 13 items in those two bags 13 now i don't know about you but if you've ever tried to live off 13 things You'd know that it's it's not really enough for a whole week. So we decided we needed a bit more in our grocery <laughs> and, budget. And that I was never, ever doing the shopping again. And that the grocery shopping would become my job. <laughs> yeah. I got to do the vacuuming. So <laughs> well, once you've chosen the amount of money you're going you're gonna to get, choose a day of the week to get money out of the bank, put that money in your wallet, and then don't touch your cards again until it's time for another withdrawal. If you really can't control yourself, or you find yourself paying for things by card without thinking, then leave them at home, or keep an emergency one somewhere hidden in your wallet so it's not easy to access. It can also be a good idea to put the grocery money somewhere separate in your wallet. Like, I had a little snaplock bag in my wallet for a while, and another time when I got a new wallet, I had a separate section that I could keep it, per keep it separate from my personal money. Yeah, so basically you pay for everything by cash, and... This is allowing you to see where your money's going, how much you've got left, and the money that you want to save stays in the bank. I think you'll find that you'll think more carefully before you buy things, because each purchase will be concretely represented by the dwindling amount of paper in your wallet. Yeah, 
And you'll get used to it after a little while. You'll go to your wallet and you'll see, okay, there's only 20 pounds left. Is it really worth spending this percentage of this money on this useless item? Yeah, I I find paying by card, it becomes magic money. Yeah. You know, Um, I don't see a direct correlation between the work that I've done and what I'm saving towards and the things that I'm buying. So, yeah, so that that helps me as a, a visual kinesthetic person to really catch that. Yeah. Um, we've also found it useful to have a dedicated savings account, which is difficult to remove money from. Um, so every month we looked at our current account and looked at our upcoming costs for the month and then transferred as much as we could into savings or directly onto our debt while we were still paying that off. So we'd dump it straight on to the most expensive debt first. Yes, definitely. Pulled down the overdrafts and then got stuck into the student loan. Yeah. And they they went really quickly. It seemed like the debts got paid off quicker than the savings happened. Maybe just because there were tangible things to tick off, I don't know. Yeah, well I think what we'd do is every time we had even a spare 20 bucks in the bank, we'd transfer it over. So we're really living almost on zero. You know, yeah. we're just paying, playing playing tag with uh with the red line to get out of the red. Mm. We wouldn't leave ourselves any any extras. Yeah. Well, because the savings account interest was much lower than the interest we were paying on the debts. Yeah, of course so it always is. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so that's basically your cash budget for saving. It's worth trying, even if you're not even traveling. <laughs> it's worth using. <laughs> yeah, but let's look at it for during travel because you don't want to be carrying around wads and wads of cash. Well, we've still found that cash budgeting works just as well on the road, especially because when we've been working, we've often been paid partly or in whole in cash. And so we've had cash on hand. Yeah. One good thing about cash is that it's accepted everywhere. (laughs) We are absolutely stunned and amazed at how little cards are used. I mean, sure, ATMs are available everywhere. That's fine. But like the FPOS system that's so prevalent back home where you just walk into a shop and you pay with your card, it's, it's not everywhere. It isn't. I mean, in England, I don't know. It seems like less than 50% of shops have yeah. the facilities to pay by card. I think we've walked into to seven business establishments today, and only one of them allowed you to pay by card. And that is insane. Well, compared with home, where you can sometimes pay by card at the market. Yeah, the street market. <laughs> the street market. <laughs> oh, well. Anyway, cash is accepted everywhere, but... It's a good idea not to carry too much, depending on your bank fees. Getting out a weekly amount um, is the way to do it. Yeah, you don't want to carry too much cash because it's it's unsecure. I mean, if you get robbed, then it's gone. It's gone. Yeah. You know. Don't carry all of your cash in one place. So divide it up against a money belt. Um, maybe keeping some in your luggage if that's in a secure place, and your daily or a couple of days spending in your wallet. So the first thing you need to do is set a budget for the week. Check out episode 21 of the Indie Travel Podcast to get an idea of a good, simple budget idea. Then, of course, you're going to uh, withdraw that money. If you have a lot of cash when you arrive somewhere, I recommend you pay for your accommodation in cash on arrival. That means if something does happen and money does get lost, at least you've got somewhere to sleep. Yes. But do make sure you get a receipt and make sure you're reasonably happy with the place before forking over for a week's accommodation. I mean, it's especially hosteling. It's so easy to decide to go somewhere else in the spur of the moment. Definitely. 
But yeah, having a receipt. We've never had any problems with people asking us, telling us we haven't paid, but it's always worth having proof of payment. Mm. Now, if you don't have cash on you because you haven't been paid or whatever, paying for accommodation by credit card might be a good way to minimize withdrawal costs and to make sure you're not carrying around a lot of cash. But just make sure you take that out of your weekly budget. Yeah. Once a week, get money from an ATM and keep that as your spending money for the week. Um, I really wouldn't recommend carrying money for the whole trip unless it's maybe only a fortnight. Yeah. And if you are doing that, put the extra out of sight. Every time you open your wallet, you don't want it to be bulging with cash. No. That will just make you a target. It will not only make you a target, it will also make you spend it because you'll think yourself rich. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever you've got left, um, put in a money belt or another secure place and look after that money belt. Definitely, definitely. That's one thing where traveling with two people can be quite good. We've got lots of different places to stash things. Mm. Well, this brings us to the end of our cash budget idea. It got a bit rambly, but it works for us, and hopefully it'll work well for you too. Um, I came across Andrew Jones's Tall Skinny Kiwi blog a little while ago. Well, in fact, I've been following it for four or five years. But recently he posted 10 tips for Euro travelers, which I think has some great Europe-specific travel tips. So we'll uh, link to that in the show notes. Well, it's good to be back. Thanks heaps for waiting for us and still listening. (laughs) Oh, we got an email from Rock Creek, the outdoors store, telling us they have a sale on Teva and Chaco sandals. So it's 15 to 30% off Chaco and 40% off Teva. So that's pretty cool. They make great walking sandals. So if you are considering buying them, this is a good time to do that. And uh, we'll link up to those sales from the homepage as well. Well, we've got to go because we're off to a beer festival. So until next week, travel well.